0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron.
1: Welcome back. I'm thrilled to have you here after a Thanksgiving weekend and hope that you and yours celebrated With joy and togetherness and connection and gratitude, we are in a time in history where there is so much to be grateful for in terms of how we may empower ourselves, how we might remember who we really are, and the steps that we can now take in sacred activism for ourselves and for one another. We are also at a time where it appears there is much chaos, there is much conflict, and there is much that is calling or deeper steps of action and love. We have a symbol in our world, in the United States particularly, the Statue of Liberty that has been seen as uh, a goddess of America, a a place that is a symbol that is uh, of freedom. But there's a background story, and she's not the first symbol of freedom. She's not the first Lady Liberty. What if there's a secret life? What if there's so much more? Today we are going to examine Lady Liberty's ties to Native American spiritual traditions, the Earth Mother, Roman Goddesses, Black Madonnas, and Mary Magdalene. We're going to discuss a sharp contrast between depicting liberty as a female and the reality of women and other suppressed classes even today. We are going to look at how the goddess of the new world inspires all people toward equality, compassion, peacekeeping, and environmental stewardship as we look at Standing Rock As we look at the politics that has happened in this nation, nation, the patriarchy, some of the misogyny, as we look at equal rights and pay, abortion issues, there's much here for women to gain through this book, as well as men. There is a secret life of Lady Liberty, and that is the name of the book, by Dr. Robert Hieronymus and Laura Kortner. I'd like to welcome them to 1111 Talk Radio so that we can dive into a topic that will be both restoring and also provocative. Welcome to you both.
2: Well, thank you for allowing us to come on your show. We're looking forward to this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And before we dive into the topic, I do want my audience to know that Dr. Hieronymus is an internationally known historian, a visual artist, and a radio host. His research has been used by the White House and State Department and published in the Congressional Record. He has made numerous appearances on documentaries airing on History, Discovery, BBC, and National Geographic channels, as well as many other national and international outlets. His giant murals and painted art cars, including the 2,700-foot Apocalypse and the 1,750-square-foot We the People, the Woodstock Bus and We the People Actar. His weekly program, 21st Century Radio, is the longest-running radio show on the new paradigm in this country. In addition, Laura Courtner graduated with honors from Goucher College in Towson, Maryland, with a degree in English and a concentration in writing. She has co-authored previous titles with Dr. Hieronymus and including Founding Fathers, Secret Societies, and United Symbolism of America. And I wanted to bring that out because what we're going to be discussing here is both historical and it is deeply visionary at the same time. I I found this to be an incredibly insightful and empowering book, and I think it is something that is so timely right now. And before we started the show, you talked about how this book took six years to write, Talk a little bit about why it took so long and the deep foundation that's in this book so that people really understand where we're going as we dive into this conversation. Bob, if you want to take that one.
2: Oh, sure. Well, uh, we had seen so much misinformation on the Statue of Liberty for years, especially if you go up on the Internet, and uh, I wanted to correct the history of it. And uh, so did Laura. We felt strongly that... There's a lot of misinformed other people out there on the Internet discussing things that were totally inaccurate, and nobody was challenging them. And so we thought that what we originally do is a, a short little book. We, we've never done a short little book before. because Most of them get into four and 500 pages, you know. Uh, so uh, that's what we really thought. So we went to our publisher, and we said, look, this is what we want to do. And they said, that's a good idea, however we think you should supplement it with new research into the area of the goddess. Uh, the, uh, the, the, that there is a goddess in the new world and it's linked to that. And of course, we thought that was great, but we did not realize <laughs> how much great research there has already been done. And so, uh, as I noted to you, one of the things that I... is going to sound a little bit boorish to other people, but I love bibliographies. You, when you... When you take a look at one's bibliography, you know where they pulled their information and the quality of it. And the longer you've been involved in a certain area, uh, the more you are aware as to which sources could really mislead you. Um, so that extended our bibliography to something like seventeen pages, and it could have been longer. But we used every book that's in our bibliography, and. Uh, there are some of giants there whose shoulders we're standing on. The, yeah,
1: our publisher book. really gave us the mission to look at the Statue of Liberty as a goddess. I think most Americans think of it, or most Earth people think of it as an it. And we, we deliberately call her a, a her throughout the book because it is based obviously on a Roman goddess, Libertas, but... Our task was to find other examples of the female divine, particularly in the Americas, the so-called New World, and see how she relates to them and pull that into American history. So by studying the history of the Statue of Liberty, we learned a lot about the spheres of women's power, the powerful women that influenced American history, because that's the area that we were focusing on. But of course, with the goddess history, we had to go way back, what Bob was beginning to speak about there, to the work of Maria Gambutas, I'm sure you know, and Rianne Eisler, who was very generous with her interviews with us, and we feature her throughout the book, just to learn the concept of the difference between the goddess-worshipping cultures of ancient time from the Neolithic, we're talking thirty, forty thousand 40,000 years ago, ancient cave paintings and figurines that show that those cultures were mostly peaceful and mostly in reverence, their, their deity, their, their concept of the divine was a female, and mm-hmm. they equated that with the earth, and that leads to a partnership society, yeah. whereas what we're used to now is a domination society, a, a patriarchal, of course, but it's more about domination. Those in control are hierarchical, top-down. And of course, the women and the suppressed cultures, people of color, indigenous people are all on the downside. And the indigenous cultures who do realize that their creator was either both male and female or even more specifically female, a sky woman falls to earth in the Iroquois tradition, for example, and her daughter becomes the earth and her granddaughter becomes the moon, you know, they just literally are the earth. And these cultures partner with their women. There's none of this suppression. They see their women as valuable partners and equal in making all the important decisions. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to see in the Statue of Liberty. There is this goddess, a female divine that we have chosen unconsciously as our symbol of us. And that's what we need to instill within each of us, is that goddess-worshipping energy. With the psyche that has come to America right now, and even the world, because we are being looked at by many countries, and, and there's a big question mark over a lot of people's heads right now. Mm. Why is a goddess better than no goddess at all, especially at this time?
2: Well, because I believe more than ever, we need compassion. We are in total imbalance in, on the entire planet. There is no balance between the male female. And, of course, uh, knowing full well that there have been many predictions that it's going to be the women in the Western world that are going to change the world, uh, we've got just an enormous distance to go, especially at this particular time with the new president-elect, who seems to be the antithesis in part, I don't mean to. Look, I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on, on your program, but but I do not have uh, any belief in my, uh, uh, in my research of this individual that he knows what the male-female balance relationship is all about. I think it's totally imbalanced, and I think it's going to influence how uh, we are going to look at women in the future for some time, and uh, I'm hoping that he will not uh, exhibit the same kind of limitations he did during the debates as it would be in, in the future, because if not, this is going to be one long four years, and uh, hopefully, well, we won't have to go through another four years after that.
1: Yeah, and the Statue of Liberty is certainly not a perfect symbol of uh, female empowerment. There are a lot of limitations to her, but... As we say, she is a goddess, and a goddess is better than no goddess, because humanity is thirsting for a goddess, because even when she's suppressed like she is in our Judeo-Christian type society in the West, you just look at all the substitutes that pop up, from the Virgin Mary to calling actresses or pop singers diva, which actually literally means goddesses in Italian, and if if we can accept the goddess into our culture and into our mindset, then the goddess veneration is all about honoring the earth, as I was saying, and with this coming environmental upheaval that we foresee, if humanity is to survive, we we need to change this domination pattern where we separate everyone into us and them. And the more you learn about the goddess wisdom and the patterns of inclusion and wholeness, then the better off each of us will be able to attune ourselves to that. The female archetype is basically a symbol of perfection. And in some... Symbologists' mind view, it's the only promise we have of saving the world. The Dalai Lama, I think Bob just mentioned, the world will be saved by Western women. So today, American women, especially those whose children are grown, it's time for them to see themselves as leaders. And we hope that the Statue of Liberty as a goddess can help inspire that compassion, that, that, that those strengths, those typically female strengths within both men and women, to, find that, to lead with compassion and become leaders using those female strengths and honoring those strengths of nurturing and compassion as valuable strengths.
2: And we're going to need those strengths specifically in the area of um, uh, our environment. Um, We are not being, uh, well, let me put it this way. Back in 1976 uh, and a little bit before that, I had two friends. Uh, Both of them were CIA members. One of them, you may be heard of their names, one was uh, Peter Tompkins, the other was Christopher Bird, and they started to show me records uh, back in the early 70s as to what they thought was going to happen to this planet in the next uh, 30, 40 years, whereas there's been a a great deal of emphasis upon global warming, was the material that they were sharing with me was saying, yes, we are going to have global warming, but along with global warming, after a certain period of time, we will have global cooling. And at that time, uh, uh, I was told that the CIA had to figure out which of these two ideas it was to present to the American people, because they both were going to be extremely difficult to overcome if we could even overcome them. And they, they resolved that we could we could resolve some of the problems dealing with global warming. But as far as another ice age coming in, that is perhaps beyond our reach. So they emphasized the global warming issue, knowing full well that there's a pattern of heating and cooling, which is periodical, and that we on planet Earth, even though uh, 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 one particular party doesn't pay too much attention to these great changes that are about to take place, but we are going to be in a world, not just in a country, but in the world where flooding and fires, and uh, these kind of things are going to continuously appear time and time again. And of course, New York Times now is paying a lot of attention to that on its front pages, saying, "My Lord, it looks like uh, Florida's a goner as far as the tip of it goes, and so many other places like Houston and, and uh, uh, especially down there in Louisiana where it is flat land, water is going to uh, cover it and will continuously recover it until finally it will take part of those lands. We've got a lot of melted water that is flowing around the planet today, which is going to create great floods, not just little floods, but great floods. And during this particular time in our country, we have one particular party basically saying it's not a problem and uh... exon being the fundraisers uh... for those people that uh... feel more or less like uh... uh... we, we can handle this problem it's it's not a man-made problem it's a natural problem and, it, and it's both it's not man-made uh... just man-made it, it is both nature has these cycles so we are going to see a different world in the future and the native americans have known this, and they do talk about it. Uh, they see, they don't see it as the earth. Uh, they see it as the earth rebelling against what has been done to it, and what continues to be uh, done in in the, in the quest of fracking or in the quest of of other energies uh, that we don't necessarily need for the future.
1: Dr. Bob, I want to go back to something you said when you were talking about our president-elect. And, and it's obvious that there was a great disrespect in regard to women, that there's, 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 there's a view now that is kind of an undertone, whether we, people want to speak it or not, that exists simply because we elected a man like this with all of the past that, that occurred in the few weeks prior to the election When we talk about respect for women, when we talk about the empowerment of women and the rise of women in our roles, and even when we look back in history as to what the Statue of Liberty really represents multiculturally and in the many generations of women before, that initial respect has very much to do with Mother Earth itself. That is the first and foremost form of our feminine empowerment. And so what you're talking about with the global warming or the global cooling it, it begins with that respect for mother and and the stories that we began there. How do we move into that place of beginning to have the respect for mother by utilizing this symbol of Lady Liberty as the starting point? Yeah, they they are really related, aren't they? The mother and the... And the, the Mother Earth and the respect for women. We, we talk a lot about the environment in this book because we use the, the connection of the Indian Queen, which was a, a very imp- inappropriately named symbol, but she was the earliest allegorical female used by the Europeans to represent America. It's this, um, voluptuous, very strong, mostly naked, um, European-looking Indian woman <laughs> that appears on the maps in the cartouches of the earliest explorers and on the travel literature of the day. And she's from about the 1500s on. Her, her image is seen. And she's, uh, as I say, she's mostly naked, but she's also intimidating. She's carrying a club or she's got a severed head. There's often symbols of cannibalism around her and so forth. And we like to think that by learning the, the history of the Statue of Liberty, and these ancestors, such as this, and how they were used in the in the domination propaganda of the day, um, we can connect back to the earth and, and of course there 's this whole Native American element of our history that is forgotten in our history books that we do not teach, but they were in not just incredibly impactful, but we couldn't have done it without them. They really did create a new world. The discovery of the Americas created a new world by the influence of the various things that they learned here, not just the Iroquois who we talk about the most because they are the ones that influenced the European colonists, and then um, that came out in the Constitution, of course. You can you can draw a direct line of the influence from the great law of peace that was established here in 1142 amongst the six tribes of of uh, formerly warring tribes of the Iroquois, and they got together and created this great law of peace and a representational form of government. But earlier than that even, in the southern continent, they were, uh, the Indians were mining the gold and silver that made capitalism possible and started the Industrial Revolution. They, you know, we discovered cotton and rubber and dye and all these related chemicals that fed the new system and all these different hundreds of varieties of foods that now feed much of the world, like corn and potatoes and peanuts. And the drugs like quinine that cured worldwide malaria and anesthetizing ability of coca, you know, that the managed the advancement of surgical. So they, the, the colonizers of America, they even cut the roads and the trails. They made, des- you know, through the deserts, they built cities. The things that the Native Americans accomplished were Incredibly civilized along those lines, but they weren't appreciated that way by the Europeans, of course, who saw themselves as the old world, the advanced civilization coming through. So that's the way we're taught, that the manifest destiny of this more powerful civilization coming through was the right and proper thing to do, and that involved... Uh, just plowing through the earth and just using it up as a resource and not having any reverence, and that's what we can really learn from our Native American brothers and sisters today. You mentioned standing rock and the and the way that they have some kind of sovereignty and they're using that, and that that may be one of our only uh, only real hopes in in mm-hmm. fighting back against what we have a corporate control now of
2: our environment. Not just the corporate control today? over our environment, but the corporate control I'm over our have media. I'm to hold
1: off, Dr. Oh. Bob, right there. Yes, we have to cut to commercial break. Uh, my guests today are Dr. Robert Veronimus and Laura Courtner, and they are the authors of The Secret Life of Lady, Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World, showing how a new appreciation for the Statue of Liberty as the American goddess can serve as a unifying inspiration for activism. Dr. Hieronymus and Laura Cortner explore how this Lady Liberty is a personification of America and its destiny. They examine multiple traditions that influenced her symbolism from the Neolithic Earth Mother to Mary Magdalene, Columbia, and Joan of Arc, while revealing the sharp contrast between depicting Liberty as a female and the reality of women and other suppressed classes throughout history. Their study of liberty enlightening the world led them to conclude that the empowerment of contemporary women is essential for achieving sustainable liberty for all. Sounding the call for this goddess of the new world to inspire us all toward peacekeeping, nurturing, compassion, and environmental stewardship, the authors explain how the Statue of Liberty serves as the conscience of our nation and is a symbol for both the myths that unite us and the diversity that strengthens us. You can find out more at liberty.com. We'll be right back with Dr. Bob and Laura right after these messages.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: If you'd like to have a little more insight into this beautiful book, you can go to the current issue of 1111 Magazine, and you'll see an article there that also expresses more of the book as well as a link directly to the website so that you can find out more about the authors as well as access to Getting the Secret Life of Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World. Numerous studies by groups like the World Health Organization have determined that indigenous women and women in developing countries are more in tune with the changes in nature and climate than men are. Women are also the first to be adversely impacted by human-induced weather changes. The majority of food farmers in the developing world are women, and women are almost exclusively the primary water carriers. This is from the book, The Secret Life of Lady Liberty, by Dr. Robert Heronimus and Laura Kortner. Welcome back. Uh, Dr. Bob, you were about to say something when we were closing out the last segment. And I want to give you an opportunity to finish out your uh, oh. comment and also speak to. Um, why you write about symbols. I'm definitely the sign-symbol-synchronicity woman when I come to Mm -hmm. talking about 1111 and different things. And so the symbology here is quite profound when we look at both the Statue of Liberty and what it represents, not just as women, but what it represents both in our empowerment as well as our suppression.
2: Yes, uh, it represents us as human beings, what, what human beings really are in a state of balance, because that's what the Statue of Liberty is. I I was beginning to go off on, on a rant here <laughs> on oh, <I'm> dealing with... <laughs> we got problems with the media. Um, and and uh, I think we saw it, obviously, in this last, last election, but it's much worse than people would suspect. I'll give you an example. I've done scores of shows uh, on on different television programs, and one of the problems is is that I've always wanted to talk about the League of the Iroquois and the Native Americans. They will not allow it, whether it's National Geographic or or History or Discovery or BBC or you name it. Uh, The French... Uh, in French uh, or in Russian television or German te- They just don't want to hear the story about the importance of the League of the Iroquois. It's just not sexy enough. It, well, yeah, that's, that may be one of the reasons. And that really is a v- extremely unfortunate because it was quite a shock to me to learn that 400 years before Columbus even got here, there was a representative form of government called, of course, uh, the Hadusani, or the League of the Iroquois. And uh, they were in very much balance between male and female relationships, and Laura can go into that further later on. But the point is, the media just would not allow me to talk about it. They would not allow me to debate anyone in that particular area. And uh, it it led to such great frustration because they kept emphasizing the work that I did on men all the time, the the Founding Fathers and Secret Societies and other things like that. We did them to death, literally. We did hundreds, literally, of shows on that. But to bring the female into it was just a no-no because they had not done their homework. The documentation is overwhelming in relationship to the importance of what the League of the Iroquois Excuse did.
1: Excuse me. There's a great article that just came out in the Washington Post over Thanksgiving on um, something like well, millions of women voted in this election. They have the League of the Iroquois and the Iroquois women to thank for that. And you
2: go ahead, Bob. You want to talk about symbols too? And well, yes. We'll get back to the Iroquois, but. Uh, the importance of the Statue of Liberty, it's, it's a world symbol now. It's not just American symbol. Uh, did, did you know that there are over 25 nations that have replicas of the Statue of Liberty within them, including China? Can I mention a few of them?
1: Yes, please
2: do. Argentina, Australia, Austria, Brazil, China, Ecuador, France, Germany, India, Ireland, Israel, Japan, Malaysia, Kosovo, Mexico, Norway, Pakistan, Peru, the Philippines, Singapore, Spain, etc., 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 Taiwan. The thing, uh, point I'm trying to make is it's no longer just an American symbol. It is an important archetype, which other nations uh, have also found to be extremely important in, uh, to, to their own state of being, Symbols are enormously important. That's the reason why I spent so much time in studying in my doctoral thesis. My Lord, I'll never want to do another doctoral thesis like that. Uh, Symbols are significant forces within the psyche. Symbols are, well, they're a, a bridge between the conscious and the unconscious mind, and that cultivates wholeness, and that results in what we used to call, and still can do that, Self-realization. So, that one symbol God, contains... The
1: symbol of the Statue of Liberty, for many people on the surface, it purely represents freedom. It represents our rights to freedoms, And what's hiding in plain sight is the fact that it's a woman. And so, for this woman to be here representing freedom, and yet we are seeing uh, women having to fight for so many things at this time and yet also women rising women definitely rising up there's an obvious place to me that that seems that all of this is spiritual in nature it, Correct. It, at the very core it's all a spiritual ill and mm-hmm. but yet it is spiritual movements that seem to provide that leadership that has women rise what is that correlation between kind of the subtle unconsciousness that's hiding in plain sight of it being a woman and, and the, the spiritual effect of causing women to rise?
2: Well, I think it comes from uh, the research in humanistic and transpersonal psychology which relates to the development of symbolic, symbolic mythological systems which are absolutely necessary to a culture's health and stability. If you eliminate significant symbols and mythologies within a culture, that society will eventually disintegrate. And I believe that's what's happened uh, to uh, our, our nation, but it's also happening and will continue to happen in the rest of the world because we do not have another symbol system. I, I know that uh, there were attempts uh, by many other researchers to, to, to uh, rediscover, reuse other old symbolism But that's the reason why, when I do murals like the one I did at Johns Hopkins University called The Apocalypse back in '68, which we've just restored, it's 2,700 square feet and it goes all the way back to ancient cultures such as Lemuria, Atlantis, bringing it all the way up into the age of Aquarius, uh, and through symbols. Because when you take a look at what we were according to certain teachings such as the work of Dr. Rudolf Steiner or H.P. Blavatsky they would say basically about 26 million years ago we as human beings were not just male or female we were both and that this it was the separation of the sexes which was key to the development of the female domination in in the areas of intuition and the men's domination in the area of the physical world. And together, they are a balance. And that's what the Statue of Liberty is. When you take a look at its symbolism, you've got a right and the left-hand side uh, to this particular statue. On the the right-hand side, she's holding that torch of enlightenment up into her right hand. The right hand is the symbol of activity. It is the, it, it, it generates activity and force and energy. Whereas in the left hand, she's holding a, what some would like to refer to as a book, but but basically what it is is a little plaque which reads July 4th, 1776. She's nurturing this in her left hand, in her intuitive hand. It is the other side of the masculinity there, and it puts it in balance. You need to have balance along with higher consciousness and awareness and that which is mm. within. And what is the sacred thing? What is the baby that this, this, this mother, Statue of Liberty, is holding? She, she's literally holding the... The birth date of 1776, that is, America is its child. This kind of symbolism of nurturing is what, in my opinion, what the Statue of Liberty is about, because it does stay in balance. If you take a look at the other symbolism, such as the crown on their head, and anyone who studied the Kabbalah realizes that 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 is quite a symbol for literally the highest state of consciousness, and that is saying that this goddess that we have, which you know is the Statue of Liberty, is of the higher consciousness, of the, almost the highest consciousness. And that is what the woman, in a in symbolic sense, is, and so it is with men, because, because I'm a human being, male, female. I'm about 51% male, 49% female, maybe a little bit more of this or that. And all of us are very similar to that. We're not just male or female. We are both. And it's when you take a look at the Statue of Liberty's face that you will really be shocked. Uh, you, we have, of course, that, that, that image in our book. But what you're seeing is you look into her face. She doesn't look like she's a male. She doesn't look like she's a female.
1: She's consciously Mm. androgynous, as all of us should be working towards. And that was mostly an art decision on the sculptor Auguste Bartholdi because he's trying to create a timeless creation that's enormously huge and will only be seen from a great distance. So there's this wonderful allegorical story about he based the face on his mother, Charlotte Bartholdi, which is probably stretching the truth. He never denied it, but he never he never said it in person in writing and there's no evidence that she sat for him or you know if you trace it back it's just probably uh, one of those stories he agreed with that somebody made up because it helped them with the fundraising because people identify with her as a mother automatically even though that's not what she was intended to be we need that mother goddess energy within our our consciousness our national consciousness as well and that's one of the reasons why she is a woman because Liberty, as a concept, could really only be embodied by the strength of that female container. And yet, it is something that is, it, as we all should strive to be, both in balance, both male and female. And as, as you said, it's in our book, but it's also on our website, secretlifeofladyliberty.com. We posted all the illustrations for free. We have an enormous gallery of photos, not just the ones that were in the book. And when you look at the, the face alone, it's in the museum, without the crown and the hair, it's startling how unhuman even it looks it's not male or female and you can look at it next to charlotte's photograph and say there is a similarity and you can also look at it next to la Bolle's photograph now la Bolle is the real father of the statue of liberty he was a philosopher a legal scholar and he's the one that sort of hired Bartholdi. He's, Bartholdi gets the credit, for, but it was really Laboulaye who designed it and came up with the idea of creating a statue as a gift for the Americans to inspire the French people to emulate the Americans and create their own version of a representational democracy. They were having enormous upheaval over there ever since the French Revolution. And by the middle of the 1800s, they, the Republicans, the ones who wanted a republic, needed some kind of symbol to rally around, and so they chose liberté, la liberté, and uh, designed her deliberately not to look like the anarchic liberté, the Marianne, the one who's more disheveled. You'll see her in the Delacroix, the famous painting of liberty leading the people. You know, her dress is falling off, and she's, you know, she's got armpit hair, and she's rather dirty. She's of the people. Laboulaye wanted to make a liberty that was more refined and conservative because he was a lawyer, and that's why she's holding a tablet of law, because this is the liberty that is constrained by law. We can't have unbridled liberty that's just anarchy. He was very concerned that you go too far on the left and you're just going to have anarchy. So she's, uh, she's a symbol of what all of us should strive to be, the best that America can be. That's the reason she's holding America, or the symbol of such, the, the foundation of our republic in her, in her left hand, because this is the land that was, that was created when they created this Constitution. It was supposed to be a land of freedom to choose, freedom mostly of religious choice. But that's why I think now, Laura, people resonate with her around the world. She's freedom to choose. And, and with this resonance that takes place, there's a, there's a great history of how the Statue of Liberty has really had many faces and many names. There's been Yamanya. There's been Mary Magdalene. There's been many symbolisms, many symbolic women that have been in our past, and particularly Native Americans, that have all been that face of the Statue of Liberty in their own right or have been erected in honor of that same symbolism. Talk a little bit about a few of those, and we have about three minutes before our next commercial break. We did deliberately look for other symbols of female power, female divinity, uh, specifically ones that were related to the American history. But uh, we bring in Yemanya as a symbol for the black Americans, since they have obviously a completely different connection with the Statue of Liberty, with many of their ancestors being brought over as property rather than as immigrants looking for a better life. Um, they don't have the same resonance there's a a famous quote by james baldwin who says uh, she's nothing more than a bitter joke to black americans because they had no liberty obviously they were enslaved their ancestors were enslaved and yet the slaves came over with their own western african traditions and their orishas and their uh, we we look at specifically the yoruba traditions since they were very influential and this is found mostly in south america and central america since they were mostly colonized by the the catholics the french the spanish and they had less um they had more of a goddess reverence themselves through the Virgin Mary than the Puritans who colonized the North, and they were more repressive with their imagery and not as accepting of the female divine. So you see that flourishing more in the Southern Hemisphere throughout the slave religions, and they connected up with the Native Americans, who obviously we already talked about also had the reverence for the female and their own, they wouldn't call them divinities in that culture, but spiritual deities, they have ancestor reverence, and... Together, they combined into versions of the Virgin Mary. We've got the Virgin of Regla down there in Cuba, who's a dark-skinned, a black Madonna, even she's called in the classification of the black Madonna. She's more of a brown Madonna, and yet she's holding a white Christ child. So you've got the mixture of the cultures there, right there in your symbolism, and the acceptance of the mother saying she may be my master's child, you know, she may be a a child of of rape, but also of love. There were a lot of mixed marriages there as well, but they're all my children. You are all my children. We tell the story of the Virgin of Guadalupe, who in vernacular is also called the goddess of the New World. She's, of course, another brown Madonna in the Mexico City area, which um, has a similar story attached to her, a similar legend of a miraculous appearance in this case a painting, just like they have in, in Europe. So you've got a lot of little black Madonna statues that were found, and that's another It's another welling up of the need for a female divine figure. And that's why we talk about Mary Magdalene, and again, another culture that, that identified with her in the Middle Ages in, in France. And um, they just see they, they have, a, a, it's a suppression of the female, but it keeps popping up again. Jessica Care Moore wrote a beautiful poem Mm -hmm. called Black Statue of Liberty. I stand still above an island, fist straight in the air, scar on my face, thick braid in my hair. I'm a symbol of freedom, but I'm still not free. I sweep crack pipes out of schoolyards, nurture my man when times are hard. So where the hell's my statue? Mm -hmm. I can bake cookies, bear babies, preside over revolutions, get rings out of tubs, wear a suit, sport baggy jeans, Flick my hair back, or tie it up in braids. My aura is unafraid. So, no statue in the Big Apple can mess with me. I am the walking, talking, surviving. Breathing, beautiful,
2: mm-hmm. like Statue, Black, of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. I love that poem. Yeah, that's really great. This
1: is from The Secret Life of Lady Liberty, Goddess in the New World by Dr. Robert Heronimus and Laura Courtner. You can find out more about the book at secretlifeofladyliberty.com. Lady that's secretlifeofladyliberty.com. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com 1111mag.com Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IMSIMRON.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Showing how a new appreciation for the Statue of Liberty as the American goddess can serve as a unifying inspiration for activism. Dr. Bob Hieronymus and Laura Courtner explore how this Lady Liberty is a personification of America and its destiny. We've moved through a really tumultuous election season resulting in a presidency that was both shocking and surprising to many, celebrated by others. But yet what really happened here if Lady Liberty is the symbolism of both enlightenment and also the birthing of a new nation? If it is the higher consciousness and the the United States was the child, what took place here? Was this actually a custody battle between a supposed father and a mother of this nation? And who ended up with the child? What does that mean for us in terms of male and female, in terms of men and women, Dr. Bob, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what it means to be a man today. And, and you know, I've been perplexed at watching everything go on, because although we had a man and a woman running for president, and, and it, it, from looking at it, it's a man and a woman, but from the actions and the behaviors, what we really had was a man and a woman who had become masculine. Oh. So where is the feminine in that? Where is the real feminine in that? And did that need to swing that far into masculinity for us to really birth the feminine principle in both men and women going forward?
2: Boy, what a question. Wow. Well, you, you know, uh, as uh, Dr. Bolin would say, um, our, our uh, the woman that was running for president, uh, had moved too far to the uh, the warrior side. The Athena archetype. She fit and it she, perfectly. Yeah, you know, and 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 but that was perhaps one of the only ways a woman could, could succeed. Uh, she was forced in some ways. I would look at it that way. And she was forced in some ways to 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 become over uh, over soldiered, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. and, and to focus literally on on. All kinds but she's unfortunately um made she made a few mistakes, but uh I I feel that the that the media once again didn't pay attention too much on the other mistakes that were being made by her male counterpart, which were I thought were extremely huge, just huge mistakes, obviously. He he um there he's very lucky because there are lawsuits that were pending against him which are not gonna happen now which certainly would have probably brought down his presidency.
1: We do expect pendulum swings. Whenever there's the rise of the female or any suppressed class, you're going to have the pendulum swing back after a while of of advancement. And the feminist movement, so to speak, has been making some great gains in the last couple of decades. And so it was almost expected that there would be this forceful pushback of misogyny. It's not something that... We certainly expect it to come out the way it did, but I think that you can you can look back through history. We talk about some of these eras in our book through the what happened to the Gnostic Christians in the early three hundreds of of the common era. They allowed women to lead, they were side by side, just like Jesus taught, to eat and teach with women, his his highest disciple was a woman. And yet when the Roman hierarchical type of program took over that religion that was one of the first things they did they suppressed the gnostic teachings and those ones that were about women and women being on equal with men just were just wiped out of the bible the same thing happened around the time of the, the middle ages with the very first inquisition was launched by a pope against the cathar christians for teaching basically the same thing they had men and women teaching side by side as equal healers they saw them as just souls within bodies so therefore they were they were equal and um, ever since we've been having a resurgence since about the 40s or the 50s of the female divine and the rise of the knowledge of the Black Madonnas, as well as more interest in goddess spirituality, the discovery and the appreciation of the goddess figurines through archaeology, you can see this rising acceptance of the, the female divine. It's not done yet. Obviously, we have a long way to go, There's, um, but in any case, it's something that... We like to remind everybody that the Statue of Liberty is the symbol of us, and if we can accept that. Bob talks about how he he used to be a card-carrying member of the patriarchy, and he learned from
2: one of his mentors
1: that he needed to open his mind.
2: Yeah, I was was, uh, born, so to speak, and raised in the 40s and the 50s to believe that women were just not the mental equals of men. And uh, if you would have asked me, I would have sworn up and down that that was absolutely true. Uh, And that kind of patriarchy, I think, is instilled within most men in this culture, especially because of the media. Once again, if you did a study of, say, for instance, just the media and old-time radio, you would see a great deal of this conflict in which the male dominates over the female, and the female is just not smart enough to handle it. Well, uh The way I changed and changed radically and quickly was because I was approached. Being an artist, I was approached by what would be or will be the mayor and then later governor of the state of Maryland, who came to me and said, "Look, uh, I'm involved in this particular political contest. I love your artwork. I like what you do with Aquarius and and the uh, the balance of things that you symbolism that you put in them. So would you please do my poster?" Um, and i said well okay but i can i am i free can i do what i want he said certainly do what you want so i did it and it was about all about aquarius and, and the energies being poured down on the symbols of baltimore the, the baltimore's battle monument it's america's uh maryland's most important symbol here and he won by a landslide and so uh Later on, he came to me and and said, you know, thank you for doing this and everything. And I said, well, look, I want to take advantage of you, sir. And that is, how do you become successful? How did you uh, overcome all of these things besides having a good poster, huh? And he said, well, it's simple. Surround yourself with intelligent women. Make sure that they're smarter than you are. And they will through their own methods of working through compromise and seeking balance and, and telling the other side of the story will bring you great honor. And he was right. Uh, and he later became, he came to me again and, uh, and wanted his poster done for governor, and we, he succeeded again, and he gave me further information on that. But the key thing was, I don't think anyone else could have told me that. And I would have believed it. But when he told me it, this personal first-hand knowledge of uh, an individual who is, uh, who is basically uh, uh, very scorpionic, very secretive, extremely intelligent, uh, and of course Baltimore is a scorpionic city, so he was in balance with that. Actually, I did his astrological chart and, and, uh, he figured
1: out that what the League of the Iroquois and other indigenous cultures just knew instinctively, that men and women approach problem-solving differently, Yeah, and women are more likely to look for compromise and hear the other person out. I mean, this is all stereotypical, but it has been proven in neuroscientific studies and they're less likely to want to have their opinion heard, and more likely to form circles, and let's talk about it, and work it out, and work it out, and work it out, and compromise. And that's why the Council of the Clan Mothers was on par with what we have now as the Supreme Court, because they would not go to war without the the vote of the women. They would not negotiate peace without the vote of the women. We have this wonderful quote from a Cherokee leader, where are your women? They were astounded at the European counterparts at their treaty fires that they did not bring their women along. And then the Europeans were equally How could you possibly put trust of anything with intelligence to your women? There was this enormous culture clash. And hopefully we can... And Laura, Hillary, Hillary was not the first woman to run for president either, and that no. may shock a lot of people. Yeah, Talk a little right. bit about that. Well, the history of the Statue of Liberty brought us to them. It's sort of bookended by the first two women who ran for president in 1872. I think it was Victoria Woodhull uh, announced a candidacy for president, but she never really campaigned because... She got caught up in an obscenity trial because she ran a, a newspaper with her equally colorful sister, Tennessee Claflin. You should look them up because they're fun to read about. Uh, they ran an, a suffrage newspaper, and they reported on an adultery, an adultery trial and it got them locked up for, for printing obscenity. And so she was unable to campaign. But her running mate was Frederick Douglass. They actually had something going for them. But then in 1884, at the time when the fundraising was going full hog, the Statue of Liberty was already constructed in Paris. They were trying to raise money for the pedestal here in the United States. Belva Lockwood runs for president. She can't vote. The women still don't have the vote. But the suffrage movement was was going full steam. And so she campaigned all across America, and they they concentrated in the the western states and the territories. There were a handful there that had granted women the right to vote, and she actually did get quite a few votes. Obviously, she wasn't on on a major party. Hillary Clinton is the first to be nominated by a major party, but the first two women, Belva Lockwood was an attorney. Somehow she got herself through law school, even though as a married woman... Many of the judges will not even allow her to argue her case in court because once you become married, you become property of your husband. So all these suffrage organizations had to put their treasurers had to be single women so they could keep control of their funds. Otherwise, it would be legally owned by the the treasurer's husband. So Belva Lockwood is the first woman to argue a case before the Supreme Court, and we've probably never heard of her. She's one of our, our leading American leaders and a woman, and we have a Appendix in the back of a book also posted at our website, secretlifeofladyliberty.com, of women we should have learned about in school. Women were actively participating and changing American history. And the more we learn about them as our role models, the more we can be encouraged to be like Lady Liberty, energizing. She's activating. Her official title is Liberty Enlightening the World. So we use that educational theme to enlighten because that's what liberty comes from. Wisdom, education, the more we educate women in particular on their rights and their responsibilities and reproductive health care, then the more we have uh, the GDP will go up, everybody's happiness quotient will go up, the more partnership there will be, and the Statue of Liberty says all that. My guests today are Dr. Robert Hieronymus and Laura Courtner, and they are the authors of The Secret Life of Lady Liberty. Alice Miller wrote in Women Are the People, a poetic dialogue about the Statue of Liberty that many said was hypocritical. I am the liberty which all your brothers think good for them and very bad for others. Therefore they are made out of bronze and hollow, immovable for fear that I might follow. Some fresh rebellion, some new victims plea, and so they set me on a rocket sea, welded my torch securely in my hand, lest I should pass it on without command. I am a milestone, not an inspiration, and if it's My spirit lingers in this nation, if it still flickers faintly over these waters. It's in your spirit, my rebellious daughters. I believe this is a call for us to rise. Women, rise. Women, rise. Shirley McLean says that The Secret Life of Liberty, Goddess in a New World, is going to be an interesting book to examine because it shows how Lady Liberty has ties to Native American spiritual traditions, the Earth Mother and Roman goddesses. Shirley enjoyed the book very much and asked, that we say a prayer for the Statue of Liberty and what it means to solve all of these problems. Let's find our feminine essence within us, men and women, and let's rise into the true emanation of what the secret life of Lady Liberty stands for. My guests again were Dr. Robert Hieronymus and Laura Courtner. You can find out more at secretlifeofladyliberty.com. Until next time, my name is Simran. In love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.